Once there was a tree, and she loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come, and he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns and play king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. And they would play hide-and-go-seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much, and the tree was happy. Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a new podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Turn the pages with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they try to understand the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. I want to talk about the giving tree today. Yeah, let's do it. So I think the consensus on this book is that there isn't a consensus. That There's a pretty sharp divide um, on – in fact, there's a New York Times article that just reads, The Giving Tree, Tender Story of Unconditional Love or Disturbing Tale of Selfishness. <laughs> so – you recently read this again to, to your girls. Do you come down on, on one side or the other? Or do you agree of that about that tension? I definitely agree with the tension, but I would disagree with the framing as that it's one or the other. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I actually, I think it's both. Um, and so uh, like most people, probably I'm going to assume I grew up with this book. So I, I remembered it kind of in broad strokes. But when you uh, picked it for uh, the podcast, I picked it up and hadn't read it in decades um, and started reading it to my daughters. <laughs> and I was, I was a little shocked at this tension in the book of how do you read this? Is it the, is it this lo- the story of unconditional love? You know, the tree just doing w- anything and everything um, to keep her friend, the boy, happy? Or is it this story of... Um, selfishness and terrible boundaries and how the boy just takes and takes and takes and nothing really changes. Um, right. And, and sort of codependency on the trees part that not, not being able to set those boundaries and just giving and giving when she's in fact enabling the boy to live yeah, this narcissistic, narcissistic, selfish life. So it's, it's probably awfully close to blaming the victim, but maybe, <laughs> you know, may, maybe she, leads him to be unhappy in part maybe she's partly culpable for his miserable shriveled little life of narcissism so (laughs) so that's one thing i was going to ask so it never says in the book um that the boy is happy um in in the very beginning it says once there was a tree and she loved a little boy and and then throughout the book it says and the tree was happy now we don't always trust that because there's one pretty startling moment where maybe the narrator interjects and says but not really and the tree was happy but not really right and that's after she instructed the boy the boy who has now become a man to cut down the tree to fashion a canoe so they can get away from everything and then she's just a stump so <laughs> just alone a, a stump sitting there alone <laughs> so um but throughout it all it never says that the boy is happy so right what what do you think do you think that do you take the tree at her at her word when it says that that she's happy do you believe it ends with and the tree was happy and it's unqualified do you believe the tree at the end um well like i kind of alluded to i think it's both i I think the beauty of this book is as i think largely 
kids can and probably will read it more along the lines of it's a story of unconditional love. Um, and that, yes, the tree is, they kind of take it at fa- face value and the tree is happy having just been um, totally self-giving. But I think, of course, like I think any parent um, or reader, adult reader who's paying attention is going to realize what's going on here and kind of question that initial reading of it and maybe even read it a completely different way. Like maybe this is much more a cautionary tale. And so I think that's, I mean, that's the beauty of the book that it, it, it works both ways. It can work both ways. When, when you said you remember the book, do you have a, a, a tonal memory of what the book was? No, no, definitely not. Like, do you remember, you don't remember like this was a really, uh, sweet, like you, you don't remember sweetness or something like that as like, you just remember this was a book about a tree. <laughs> like the, the, yeah. Well, the, and interestingly, I, I don't remember sorrow either. I just, <laughs> if I'm honest, it's more, it's much more visual. Like I remember that those, those weird, that like green color palette with the little splashes of red from the cover is so distinctively, I've actually seen similar color palettes and, and had like the the memory trigger of the giving tree. Like it reminded me of the giving. So it's very visual. I remember the, um, you know, the, the visual style and, and I remember generally that it's about, it was about a boy in a tree and the tree like did things for the boy. But yeah, I did not remember the plot or have any kind of strong emotional, um, memory of it. What, what about you? Did you? Um, so I would have told you, uh, that I had read The Giving Tree, if, if you'd asked me. That, that's why I recommended oh. <laughs> us doing the book. <laughs> but then when I read it, I thought, surely I must be misremembering me because I, I, surely I would have remembered the, the shocking elements of the story or that the, the, there was this uh, underlying tragedy or disruptive tone to it. Like, surely I could not have read it as a, as a kid and then experienced that and then forgotten it and then, so maybe I'm remembering a different book, but I think the fact is maybe I have, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I just didn't notice it as a kid, or I just remember that it's a book about a, like a, a really generous tree and a, and a boy. Um, and, and I would say something that I think about, so, so there, there's two distinct portions of the book, right? There's that first section that is very sparse in terms of language so maybe three or four words per page. Mm-hmm. So you know, one phrase. So th- about the activities that the boy and the tree do together. So, uh, and he would gather her leaves, and that's one page. And he would climb her trunk. That's another page. And so, and it's just this really sweet relationship between the tree and the boy. And then it abruptly shifts as he becomes a teenager, and then a man, and then an older man into this dialogue about. He has all these needs. He wants a wife and a family. He wants money. And the tree's desperately trying to give him her apples, her trunk, or anything to help to help fulfill these. And that's all of a sudden there's 14 lines per page. And, it, and it's a really it, – it's almost two different stories in one. Right. But – and even so, even though it quickly becomes this other thing in which there – the – the, the the tree insisting that she's happy is kind of undercut when they say, but not really. It's still hard for me to block out the memory of that really sweet time when they're playing together in the beginning. And like to and to to say that that was false or not true or uh, 
a uh, I don't know a, a fake relationship. Does that make sense at all? Like, and so maybe like, and even like now having read it as an adult, I'm much more likely to say it's about the 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 book is about the second part. It's this cautionary tale about um, you know a codependent parent maybe or what you know, somebody in a relationship that is given and given and given and this selfish boy who's taking and taking and taking. Um, but maybe if I was to take another 25 years and read this again, maybe I would have forgotten that again and just remembered that very early, like relationship between the tree and the boy. And maybe, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's powerfully done. Does yeah. that make sense at all? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't think it has to be one way or another. Like the, the other way this is in which this is cautionary is um, the, the book brings up the idea of happy, right? But obvi- obviously, and, and in the beginning, like, I don't know, obviously the little boy is happy, right? And he's like smiling and he's playing hide and go seek and he's swinging in the tree. It, it, it seems pretty clear that he's happy. But then when you look at the the old man boy at the end who's sitting on the stump, he doesn't look unhappy. And so maybe he does have a kind of contentment, but happy like a five-year-old being happy playing hide-and-go-seek is a very different thing than a than a middle-aged man being happy or not so so i think it it forces you to think about the idea of happiness like what does that actually mean does that just mean you're smiling and having fun because the little boy kind of it would seem never grows out of that as his idea of happiness which is kind of this like more base pleasure narcissistic form of happiness which is just getting what you want right um so I, I think that it, it it suggests that there's there's more than one way to to look at or think about happiness, and that it's kind of in a way it's kind of developmental, right? It's your conception of happiness ideally um, grows <laughs> over time. <laughs> but the boy stayed away for a long time, and when he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered. Come and play. I'm too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. It's it's a book about relationships for sure, and it's, I mean, maybe a book about parenting too. Like um, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is the way the, and maybe I'm only alert to it because of the conversation uh, we had about the cat in the hat and Carl and just how these parental figures are presented. Where you don't, in the cat in the hat, you don't, for example, see all of the mother. You just see her leg or her shoe or, or something like that. And, um, the, you don't see much of the tree. So the tree is like, you, you, mm, right. you just see the trunk and a few of the leaves. And there's this kind of, uh, like blank slate as, as a result that maybe you as a parent can put yourself into that. That's, that's one of the things that we speculated about with the cat in the hat, that there's this parental unit that, that you can, as if, if you're reading this to your kids, you can kind of put yourself in the the mother's shoes or the, the tree's trunk. Did you, do you feel like you did that? Were you, when you were reading this and as an adult and kind of shocked by the turn that it took, were you putting yourself in the, 
And yeah, I, I would love to talk to like an, an artist or an illustrator about this because I kind of feel like one of the things that uh, by chopping off the top of the tree, having it never in the frame, for one thing, it, it sort of frames up the book a little bit better. There's like boundaries, but it also, I think it allows the, the reader to like anthropomorphize the tree more. Like it, it because it, it stops looking like the cartoony picture of what a tree should be in our head. And, right. and so it allows us to think of it more like a, like a person. Like you, there's often um, scenes where the two branches are kind of hanging down. And so it looks like arms. Right. And then there's right. a, like a part coming over the top that could, you could read as a head. And so it, it can look a, more, a lot more like, in fact, the one where they're playing hide and go seek is it really does almost look like a person. Like there's like a body and arms and kind of this head coming down almost. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's I, that's got to be intentional, right? I, I think I think that almost for sure. Um, and, and and not and part of it, I think, is so that you can, um, like you said, you can kind of project yourself onto and into the story. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up about an illustrator. I think this is one of the few books that we've talked about. Usually, I'm very. Uh, happy to just be talking to you about, about, <laughs> about the stories. But this is almost the sort of book that I wish we had like a 30 person panel discussion just to get a lot of opinions. Yeah. I'm so curious what other people think about the book and why. It, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, this is a very successful and, and beloved book. And I'm curious if the Re, if the reason that it's beloved is that people like the complexity of it and, and then adults like the complexity of it and that's why it's beloved or if it's people tend to to love it and get it for their own children because they remembered the sweetness of and, and self-sacrifice of the tree or it's that the people that the millions of people that have uh, continued to buy this book over the years and to, to recommend it and to pass it through generations what's the do they even know why they like it so much? Is it the complexity or what, what do you think? I mean, if, if you had to, in lieu of having a panel of 30 people. <laughs> can I use different voices? Maybe that's, I, I, would, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, that never goes over well, but you can <laughs> be my guess. Yeah. So I think, um, I'm sure there are people who have looked at, read into it as much, at least as much complexity, kind of intellectual complexity as we are. But I think even for people who, as adults read it primarily as a, a book about unconditional love or self-sacrifice. I, I still think the, the emotional impact of like the, this, the primary tension in, in the book, which is of like, is this, is this a good thing or a not so good thing? I think even if people don't articulate that or haven't thought through explicitly about it, I feel like that must still be making an impact and, and therefore contributing to the book's kind of outsized popularity is that do you think that's possible that even if people can't articulate it there it feels more emotionally impactful even if people don't uh, yeah. haven't thought through why exactly and i think that's a, an important thing to clarify i mean I, I don't think it's when we talk about a lot of these books like why are these books so popular and usually we say there's got to be something there even if there's some element of chance to why a book catches the zeitgeist um i think it's really important to to talk about the fact that children's books are different in some ways than other books in that there it, the relationship like when a child is encountering the world through books and a parent's encountering their child through reading to them 
there's a certain unspeakable mystery to it. And so the, well, I'm not saying that all popular books are good. The fact that a book seems to resonate, like at all, I'm almost saying that all popular books are good. I'm not, (laughs) but like, does that, does that make sense? Like I, you, the whole point is that there's more going on when you're, when you're reading a book to your kid and you, you can't see what's going on in their own head that then you can break down. It's a real, there's a yeah, real mystery I mean, to it. And, and so just saying, well, this book, you know, it's the, the meter's a little bit off or you can see some deliberate things and you can say, oh, well I can, you know, this is an important question that it raises that children are probably aware of. And, you know, this, this is a book that deals with a child growing up and, and renegotiating their relationship with. And so that's something that parent that, that, that likely really touches a nerve with parents. So you can point to things, but if you say that millions of people have passed, it must be because there's something mysterious going on that they can't quite put their finger on. And that itself is kind of a, a recommendation. Yeah. I mean, no, no amount of marketing budget is going to sustain a bad book over decades and decades of time. Right. So there, now we, we can kind of talk about what makes something a good or bad book or, or, um, high quality or low car or whatever. But I think pretty clearly if a book is this popular for this long, it's certainly impactful, um, in a really like meaningful way to people. Um, would you, would, would you, would you say the same thing about Pat the bunny? <laughs> Begrudgingly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people really resonate, um, with it despite my own feelings. Um, <laughs> but, but maybe that's a case in point. I obviously resonate with it. I, it's impacted me quite a bit and just in, right. in a different direction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think this even, and maybe the fact that it's, it's a little bit mysterious enhances that, that impact that it has on people that people can't quite put there. It's that I can't quite put my finger on it thing. Right. Um, and, and honestly, maybe the fact that people, because of that, people don't, like analyze it to death or kind of like over talk it. It's just something that's kind of like shared and experienced over time. Sure. If you had to, if you had to say what the, so we're agreed that there's a, a resonance to it, but if you had to say what the most startling moment or the most memorable moment of the book is, what would you nominate? Would it be that moment where the, where the, the, the tree gets cut down and is a stump. Is that the most memorable? Is, is it the very beginning when the, the, once there was a tree and she loved the little boy, what, what's the, what's the thing that sticks into your mind, at least after the most recent reading? Um, I, I mean, I'm so verbal. I think it's that, um, when the narrator like kind of cuts in and says, and the tree was happy, dot, 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 but not really. Cause instantly <laughs> right. all my like, literature major like unreliable narrator like all that all those flags like started going up and i started processing it kind of on a totally different level um so i think that was a big one i think i think the yeah uh, the end is really um is is really shocking in that it deliberately it puts up this contrast of the last line is and the tree was happy and you just finished an incredibly sad borderline tragic story right and so like emotionally like that was probably the most jarring to me so when you when you got to that 
did you just sort of look like t- take a beat yourself? <laughs> I mean, I th- no, I like literally looked over at, at Kat, my wife, and we both did kind of a WTF. Like, that's like the saddest <laughs> book ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. How about you? Did you was it one of those, or did you have a different one? Well, so I yeah, so I I would say for me maybe yeah maybe it's the the when the, the the narrator interjects what's interesting though is that the narrator interjects there but then not at the end so yeah or maybe or so i, I don't know what to make of that and once again we don't have to as we said that you know this is maybe deliberately mysterious we don't have to analyze it to death but i would say just in a sensory way just the the, the shock of when you turn the page and there hasn't been very much text because you get into the rhythm of, of yeah. kind of turning the pages and then you just stop and there's all that mm-hmm. uh all, all that dialogue and and, and the boy himself has changed and it's knowing a little boy. And so you have to reorient yourself into what this book is going to be. That's, that's a pretty shocking moment too. There's so much like, this sounds a little pretentious, but so much texture to this book. Like it, it it's operating on so many different levels. It, it's kind of startling. I think um, it like, this would be such a fun book to do in a class, like to have a college class, like a seminar about this, like about this one book, right? There'd be just like so much, there to talk about um one thing that i really i i don't really know what to make of it so i want to get your thoughts on it is it seems to me like neither nobody in the book changes nobody learns anything over time which is interesting like a, a lot of emotional impact from stories comes from uh people changing like learning often in in painful or surprising ways like becoming sort of different or growing or or whatever um, yeah well so it's interesting well, that this book can be so emotionally resonant without any kind of it seems to me without i mean it's our, maybe that's part of what makes it so shocking is that everyone stays the same I, yeah well it's, it's also so in one sense that's literally untrue because the the boy gets older and has <laughs> <laughs> so he, he changes into a different person but all that all that happens off screen so you're sort of stuck with you're rooted with the tree in that <laughs> we don't know where this is if it's a, a park or his front yard or in the forest or what, whatever it is but but the it's boy characters off, right like characterologically yeah but but, but also so that's the other thing is we don't we don't the boy seems self the boy man seems selfish because he just comes back to take things from the tree and it's never seems to be enough and he needs money from the apples he needs to the the, the branches to build a house to to like, and also the way that you acquire a, a a family according to the boy is you have to have a house and that's how you get a house and you can get a wife and kids <laughs> if you build kind of it a, they will come that's right it's kind of a mercenary <laughs> exchange and then he just wants a boat to get away from it all cuz he's cuz he's not <laughs> he's not happy so i mean is he maybe the the boy is learning some things like maybe uh you know what what i thought would make me happy before no longer makes me happy that that's an an element of change, right? His perspective changes, at least. Maybe his moral fiber <laughs> doesn't, but his sort of like expectations of what will bring him happiness shifts a little bit. Yeah, maybe. That's I guess that's kind of true. But the only the only thing we really have to to judge his change based on is his relationship with the tree, right? And yeah. And in the end, there's all this. You know, the tree says, "You know, I'm sorry, boy, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone." Um, 
And the, the boy's response is, my teeth are too weak for apples anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. And he, and he can't right. climb the branches. Well, so here's – so let me uh, posit this more charitable reading of, of the boy at the very end, um, which is maybe, in fact, he – and this, I guess, happens in relation – maybe – He's being kind to the tree, and he—he he, he, because the tree has nothing left to give him, so he's not. I mean, it's a place to sit, but he could sit anywhere, I guess. And he still came back, and at the end, he's spending time with the tree, and he's not taking anything from the tree somewhere else. And so maybe he's doing that as a gesture to the tree, you know, like he can give something to the tree, which is the his company, and is that maybe he's a kinder person. He's not trying to, he's no, he's, he's taking the offer of the tree as a place to sit, but he comes up. Uh, uh, I mean, he, he, he remains, he remains with the tree in the end. Maybe that's just because he can, there, there's nothing left the tree can give him, but he doesn't. Yeah. So the question is, do, does he remain with the tree because he's choosing, he's got lots of other good options, but he's choosing to remain with the tree because he cares about the tree or he's burned all his other bridges. And this is the only place left that he has. <laughs> he's, he's, he's burned his boats, including the one made from, <laughs> from the tree. The tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, that's, that's good that you point out that that's, that's possible. Um, it feels less than likely to me, um, based yeah. on his previous actions. <laughs> but that's the other thing is we don't we, we only see the act we don't know, you know, if maybe when he was off sailing around and that yeah. canoe boat that he had in the trick, if he had some experience, then he realizes I mean if this was a movie, that like a children's movie, it would he would have some experience that made him realize that what he'd been looking for was not all over the world. It was back back in the forest after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the third level to reading this on is that at first, you think it's a the, the it's a wonderful story of charity, and and then you think like, no, this is an awful story of terrible boundaries and codependency. But maybe the third maybe the third level is like, just be careful of judging because there's a lot we don't we don't really know. Even the narrator's kind of unreliable, so maybe you just kind of take it for what it is and don't think don't read too much into it. Sure. Don't read too much into it until we start uh, giving our seminar on, on, on the given tree. <laughs> yeah. It's a great, it's a great book though. I, I mean, it's just really, obviously really powerful, inter- really, really interesting. I think um, the jury's still out, I think on what my kids think of it. We'll have to revisit this once you Are read you it gonna, to Jack. And... Do you, you plan to continue to read it to them? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. If, for a purely mercenary reason, I'm just curious to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed this episode of A Thousand and One Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at a thousand and one goodnights.com. That's one zero zero one goodnights.com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.